everyone, and thank you for listening to the 20th ever episode, aka the Kelly Bryant Picked Mizzou episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, I'm Kyle? I'm great. I'm doing great. I am. I'm so good and great and terrific because Drew Locke is playing in the Senior Bowl. <laughs> I knew you'd be excited about that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't wait to come in. Uh, that's that's leading news this week for the podcast. We'll just jump right into it. Emmanuel Hall and Drew Locke are playing in the Senior Bowl. It's- I literally could not be happier about this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're skipping that. Uh, sorry to disappoint you. We're skipping that. I got another news item here. Okay. Auburn transfer quarterback Kelly Bryant chose University of Missouri to play his senior year of football over Auburn. Did you hear about that? Uh, I genuinely have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, for you and uh, producer Cameron, anybody else that uh, needs a refresher, Kelly Bryant was uh, Clemson's backup quarterback behind Deshaun Watson for two years. He took over the starting job in his third year, threw for 2,800 yards and 13 touchdowns, ran for another 660 yards and like 11 more touchdowns, and then led them to a 12-1 and regular season record, and they lost to Alabama in the college football playoff. Is this starting mm. to ring a bell yet? Yeah. <laughs> so this season, he lost his starting job at Clemson to a freshman named Trevor Lawrence, who is apparently... He's very good. Yes. Uh, they are now undefeated going into the college football playoff. So Kelly Bryant decided to take his talents elsewhere, and he will be in Columbia next season. Yes. Um, apparently, uh, Barry Odom and Derek Dooley closed the deal on their in-home visit about a week ago, about a week before his decision. Uh, that's when Kelly Bryant said, I am coming. Uh, book it. And he stood by that when he made his, his, his announcement official a couple nights ago. So he really did tell Auburn no in person. Yeah. Uh, when he had that last-minute in-home visit with them, I tweeted kind of jokingly that, oh, that was nice of him to tell them no in person. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, that, I knew that that might be a good sign when I heard that Gus Malzahn was, was pushing for a last-minute visit because I don't know that he would have done that uh, if, if he, he felt, felt like he was in a exactly. good spot. So I felt okay at that time, but I was, I was still kind of nervous all day. But So what do you think this means looking ahead for Missouri's football team next year. This means that Missouri is going to be really good at running the ball, and they're going to do it a lot. And um, I I took a look at their schedule, and it definitely sets up, at least right now, it looks like it's setting up more favorably than this year's schedule did. Uh, You trade Alabama for Ole Miss. I'll take it. And you've got some good matchups at home. The hardest game is very obviously going to Georgia, but it's at the end of the year, and we know how good Mizzou's been at the end of the year. Is it November? It is. Uh Uh-oh. So that's a good sign. (laughs) So um, I don't think that right now it is out of the question to to assume that Mizzou should win 10 games. Mm, Bold prediction. Does Missouri start the season in the top 25 AP poll? I will say yes at exactly number 25. That sounds like a really good prediction. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I was looking at the schedule a little bit myself. It's like seven wins is the absolute floor, Mm -hmm. I think. And I tend to think 10 wins 
is probably the ceiling. So I would be not shocked to see another eight win, a nine win season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kelly Bryant is a very good college quarterback. He lost his job, but he did lose his job to a very, very talented freshman quarterback that Clemson would like to have at the helm for three years yeah. um, or more. But And people are saying that this uh, Trevor Lawrence would potentially be the number one pick in next year's draft. Really? If he were able to come out. Yeah, it not this, doesn't not, surprise me. Not the next draft right. that we have, but the one after that right. that he won't be eligible for. Exactly. So, so. he's going to be at Clemson for a very long time. And he's already really good. Yeah. So Kelly Bryant decided to move on, which I totally understand. Uh, but I don't want to make him think that he is the second coming of Peyton Manning or something or like that. But uh, Missouri has put themselves in a very good position to potentially win 9 to 10 games next year and probably wouldn't surprise too many people if they did that. Yeah, I saw some comps online that were saying something sort of between Brad Smith and uh, James Franklin as far as athletic ability and passing ability. And just by watching a few highlight tapes the other night, that seems about right. Yeah, definitely. um, Brad Smith was definitely probably a better runner. I mean, he's got to be. Yeah. He was such a good running quarterback. But, I mean, yeah, I think James Franklin could be a pretty good comparison um, as far as the production that we could expect out of Kelly Bryant. So, I mean, he's a he's a senior quarterback. He's played. He's been through it. He's been to the college football playoff. Um, a lot to look forward to. It's going to be a fun and very long, excruciatingly long wait for next football season. Yeah. And also, I will add that the home opener is against West Virginia. So I am already excited for that. Where, and where the, is that? The home opener. Oh, in yeah. Columbia, Missouri. <laughs> they play Rowfield <laughs> Memorial uh, Missouri Stadium. Missouri plays their home games in Columbia. <laughs> yes. Producer um, Cameron. <laughs> they open the season like in Wyoming, which is kind of weird. But their their home opener is against West Virginia, so that'll be the... And that'll be in Columbia. That'll be in Columbia, Missouri, <laughs> Rowfield Memorial Stadium. And okay. uh, they will have finished the renovation project as well at that nice. point. So wow. It's going to be hopping. Cool. A Will, a Will Greerless, uh, West Virginia. Yes. So maybe we should try and go to that. Maybe. Pencil it in. It's a novel idea. Well, there was another uh, transfer that chose Missouri. The same. Oh, a few minutes after Kelly Bryant, and that's Jonathan Nance, uh, transfer from Arkansas. Yeah, wide that, receiver. That's uh, also a nice addition. That I'm not sure he's going to get. You know, he's going. I'm not sure he's going to start right away. But I mean. He had Jonathan Johnson-type production at Arkansas last year. He was their leading receiver. So um, certainly not getting just a nobody off the off the streets here. But um, I kind of thought that might happen. Like I, I, in this like you know fantasy world of mine where I was sitting there dreaming about Kelly Bryant committing to Mizzou, I was thinking about Jonathan Nance. And I was like, you know what? I'm pretty sure Nance is coming to Mizzou, and I feel like I've been sure for several weeks. Like, what's he waiting yeah. on? Mm-hmm. I'm like, what if he's waiting on <laughs> Kelly Bryant to commit? And I'm just like, nah, that's ridiculous. And I'm like, what if they're like a package deal? Like, and then it actually looked yeah. like it kind of happened. So, how yeah. about that, producer Cameron? That's great. <laughs> you mentioned his uh, production at Arkansas. He caught 37 passes for 539 yards and five touchdowns um, in his junior, uh, sorry, his sophomore season at Arkansas. And like you said, those are all team highs that season, which is kind of strange, but Arkansas has been pretty terrible. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so um, it, it'll be uh, it might be tough to to start to uh, crack the starting rotation, but he's going to be in there a lot. Yeah. All right. Next on my news list, Missouri is set to play six and six Oklahoma State in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis on New Year's New Year's Eve Day. And the last time these two teams played was in the Cotton Bowl after the 2013 season. Yes, you may have seen um, my opinion on this uh, game via Twitter um, whenever the announcement came out that we were playing Oklahoma State. Um, my initial reaction was a little bit, of, a little bit of disappointment with the matchup, just because of all the things we've talked about this year of Mizzou. You know, seemingly having a lot of national appeal with Drew Locke and having a good year and everything. Um, so it's on one hand, it's certainly a little bit disappointing to see them play a six and six Big Twelve team that we played in a bowl game a few years ago. But I'm not necessarily sure that my disappointment stems from Oklahoma State being a bad team or something, but more so just because bowl games are fun because you play teams you never play. Right. So I'm, I'm not trying to like trash Oklahoma State or anything and say that this game is a little bit of a disappointing matchup, but um, it just would have been nice to see them play. A uh, Big Ten team right. for It'd be a change. Cool to see him play Wisconsin or Michigan yeah. State, a big big name school in the Big Ten like that, or something. Or just like. somebody that Missouri hasn't played in a really long time. Right. So a former Big Twelve foe, it just doesn't do a whole lot as far as excitement. I think right. in the Missouri fan base. But ultimately, I think that I want to see Mizzou win their bowl game, and so I think we have a pretty good chance of beating six and six Oklahoma State, who's gonna not be playing with their best running back and starting right tackle so right. i think we're in a pretty good position to uh to win the bowl game and ultimately that's really all that matters to me yeah yeah we'll we'll break down um the we'll sort of preview the matchup with oklahoma state a little bit later but just uh, a quick look at that and a couple um interesting offers slash visits came through for the uh football team the one that really caught my attention was an offer to the number one running back and the number two overall player in the 2020 class, Zachary Evans. And it really caught my attention because in his tweet, he said that Missouri was, uh, quote, a childhood favorite of his. Well, if we know anything about this staff, we know that they have done a very good job identifying running back talent. We've got four really solid running backs on this team that all four of them have been products of Barry Odom's staff and all four of them have gotten on the field and performed well and really none of them have had really high rankings coming out of high school so right. if we know anything uh if, if you want to trust this staff about anything it's probably running back talent so uh, and it uh, looks like uh pretty much everybody in the country agrees that this running back is good so um it's it looks like uh, barry odom's trying to capitalize on some momentum right now yeah i mean being in the mix i mean it's a long way till Mr. Evans is going to be declaring where he's going to school, but being in the mix for a number two overall in his class is always really fun and stressful, and <laughs> it'd just be really fun to see him on ESPN or something just with a Mizzou hat sitting on the table, even if he doesn't pick it up. Um, just Missouri being in that conversation is always good. I'll never forget the uh, Terry Beckner uh, little press conference where he picked Mizzou. You know, that's kind yeah. of one that comes to mind, of one that I – turned on the tv pretty early in the morning yep and uh, in, in my dorm room and and watched uh, terry beckner's announcement and yeah same thing with dgb it's just it's cool to uh not only be in the discussion uh but to uh to snag those guys is pretty cool mm -hmm. 
And then uh, sort of on the uh, flip side of things, as far as like luxury uh, football positions, we're getting a visit from the number two punter in the class of 2019. So not something that you really see a lot of news about often as punters and kickers, but we need somebody to replace Corey Fatoni. So, well, before you downplay it too much, remember uh, we got beat by a punter in the Texas Bowl. So, yeah, uh, punters and offensive linemen both. Neither one are very exciting recruiting news, but you got to have them. Yep. Yeah, I know. I mean, just even don't even look at um, Dixon, who's tearing up the NFL with his punting. Um, Corey Fatoni has been really solid for Missouri for four seasons. So just if they could get another guy like that to kind of – and the special teams as a whole, we've talked about many times how much of a struggle it's been, especially the last two seasons. But he's always been back there doing his job very well. And so he punted a lot in his first couple of years yes. at Missouri. Broke records. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last bit of football news. Actually got a couple more things here. First up, Barry Odom – if you haven't heard, received a contract extension. So that will now pay him three, a little over $3 million a year through 2024. And then uh, kind of an interesting clause in there. He gets an automatic one-year extension every time he wins, his teams win nine games in a season. And that is after the bowl game. Hmm. So that's yeah, definitely a really some, good incentive. Some interesting incentives definitely kind of planted throughout his contract. Um, I kind of thought that we might see him get a little bit more base salary because uh, it's still that the, the 3.05 million number is still only 11th in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And it surprised me a little bit. So I, I think I kind of hope to see a little bit higher number, but ultimately he's uh, he's got he got a raise and an extension, and I would imagine that he probably gets another one after next year. Yeah, I mean um, 11th is kind of strange i would have thought it would be more middle of the pack mm-hmm. I, w- I, th- I definitely thought that they might try to get up to at least like eight or nine like you said yeah um we talked about uh, emmanuel hall and drew lock going to the senior bowl that's that's fun um i do not envy the defense that has to go up against them if they're paired together and um last bit of news was the sec all freshman team was announced and Tyler Beatty and Daniel Parker Jr. both made the list. And we were talking a little bit before we started recording that I guess maybe the – we love the production that Daniel Parker Jr. was able to provide um, with some injuries, but maybe the SEC tight end freshman class was not really the same that it was last year with Albert O taking that spot. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Parker Jr., don't get me wrong, had a great year and made some huge blocks and – was reliable back there when everyone else in the position was hurt and we really needed him and he caught a touchdown pass and so yeah he, he really kind of came out of the woodwork to be completely honest considering he's switched positions uh this summer so really good to see for him um same thing with tyler Beatty, kind of a low-ranked guy come out of high school just kind of exploded under the scene in, in summer camp and uh had a big year and i mentioned on twitter that i kind of thought jalen knox got snubbed a little bit but I have to admit that I didn't really like look at the other freshman wide receiver production around the league, but it just kind of seemed from watching at least Mizzou's games that Jalen Knox, he had to have been, at least been in the discussion for that. Yeah, I think if um, if he was being relied on a little bit more, um, probably his production would have gone up, obviously, but I think there's just some freshman 
um, wide receivers on the SEC that are the go-to guy for some teams, and they're just able to rack up a bunch of yards and really be impactful in that regard. Um, any other news? I think we covered it all. I'm sure we missed something. There's a it lot a that came out. It was a week. A Holy lot cow. came out in the last week, so it's, it was been, it's been a fun week. Well, we but. covered the main things, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. So Missouri played two basketball games in the last week. The first one was quite a game against the UCF Knights. And Missouri was able to win that game by two points with a score of 64-62 after one overtime period. Were you able to catch this one, Kyle? I did. I watched this <laughs> game on TV, and it was really fun. It was. And it was, it was really good to see him pull it out, kind of show some fight at the end and get through some adversity. Yeah. Um, they started out quick. They uh, jumped out to an early lead. They were shooting it well from three. Um, Moss Smith geist and then uh xavier pinson with a ridiculous fake pass one dribble into a three-pointer so great i love that they were really looking good on offense there at the beginning um ucf was was kind of battling with them they eventually took the lead and that is when missouri went ice cold shooting they i have it here they were stuck on 19 points from seven and a half minutes left in the first half all the way until the halftime buzzer yeah, that was um, definitely the Missouri offense that we have seen at times this year and have warned our future selves that it would yeah. happen again. And so that was that was that moment. Yeah. That, that was that It was a team. long moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it coincided with Jeremiah Tillman uh, picking up some early fouls and sitting on the bench. And we'll see later in the game that that was pretty meaningful because when he was on the floor, they were a completely different team. Um, but like I said, there at the end, they got a tip-in basket to send it to halftime. The score was 27-21 UCF, which is the low-scoring game we kind of predicted. Um, and then Missouri started out the second half. They Tillman was back in the game. They were working inside out. They quickly regained the lead within the first five minutes, and then it was sort of back and forth the rest of the second half. Uh, the lead changed hands several times, and then um, – there was an exciting finish, to say the least. Um, UCF went on a little 3-0 run, including a ridiculous three-pointer that bounced off the back of the rim and then went in. It's I, an ugly shot. I could not believe that he made that. I was not happy. <laughs> um, so that gave him a three-point lead. And then right after that, Geist stole an inbound pass. Well, it wasn't really a pass. I think the inbounder was trying to throw it off the leg of a Missouri player to get the ball back. And Geist just took it and quickly laid it in. And that kind of made me laugh because I was like, see, other teams have this would, problem sometimes. I think sometimes. that's <laughs> exactly what I texted you in that moment was uh, we are almost never on the, the positive end of those freak weird plays yeah. where there's pretty much Missouri had very little chance to get back in that game, but they needed some just insane thing like that to happen. And it seems like we're always on the end where we cause those things to happen when we've got like a four or five point lead with, mm -hmm. you know, a minute left or something. So, yeah, great awareness by Geist. He just completely was the hero of this game. Yeah, so that trimmed it to one. Um, Missouri then, everything was looking great. They actually forced a shot clock violation um, on UCF's next possession. But then Javon Pickett was not able to get the ball inbounds. And a five-second 
inbounds violation was called. Okay, so here was my thought on that whole situation, and I actually said this like out loud to myself at home <laughs> watching this on TV uh, when it happened. But so we inbound the ball on the baseline after was it was that after the shot clock violation on UCF? After the shot clock violation, it was not on the baseline though. I think okay. uh, I think they inbounded it and called timeout. Right. Okay. And so got the, that ball like at the scorer's table basically. Okay. So that's what I kind of had a problem with. And I, it's obviously easy to say after we saw what happened, but I was not happy with it before we knew what was going to happen mm-hmm. because I know how difficult it is for us to inbound the ball. So I, we had a timeout. Why didn't they just talk about what they were going to do? And Because they break the press, essentially, then yeah. get to the scorer's table and call timeout. So now they just have to inbound the ball again. Yeah. And I d- did still have a timeout when they turned it over, though, there. so mm-hmm. And they probably should have called another timeout right. when he was in trouble. Yeah. yeah. So there were... There were multiple moments that I was not happy with at yeah. that, in that moment. It's they got to get over stuff like that. I mean, yeah. they got lucky this time and it worked out, but that's a lot of times that's the game right there. Right, uh, something like that. It's tough now, to come back from those kind of when mistakes. When they were showing the replay, I was watching the hand of the official doing the counting, and man, that seemed like a quick five seconds. It did. It certainly did. Um, Maybe I'm just biased, but and I don't know the counting in his head, how that matches up with his hand, right. but it was like he, I don't know, looked like he was blowing the play dead quicker on that last second than he was giving himself the rest of the time, if that makes sense. He got sense. a little antsy. Yeah. Wanted to, make a, wanted to ma- insert himself in the game. I guess, but <laughs> uh, maybe I'm just biased in that. But uh, UCF, um, on their next possession, made two free throws to push the lead back out to three. And then with seven seconds left in the game, Missouri tried to run a play. They actually got the ball knocked out of bounds the first time they tried it, then tried to run a play for Moss Smith for three. UCF shut that down, leaving Jordan Big Kahuna Burger Geist to take the contested three at the buzzer. We'll get back to that nickname in a sec. He made it, and we're on to overtime. You could tell that, at least in my mind, it kind of looked like just rewatching it, Geist was like, like knowing they drew up a play geist was just like nah like i just i'm not i'm not letting the ball get out of my hands right now i'm taking the shot well there was nowhere for him to go oh, i that mean too they, but i feel like he may have been able to to get rid of the ball and he, he just did not look at any point like he was going to give it up yeah he took a kind of a weird pump fake step sidestep sidestep side and then launched it pretty deep three as far as like a at the buzzer shot and it went down so and crazy i once I mean, again seems like we're normally on the other end of those kind of right. things yeah it seems like we were due for that but uh i there was a hilarious moment after the game where jordan geis was being interviewed and they asked him about taking that shot and he meant to say he had big cojones <laughs> <laughs> and he said he has big kahunas <laughs> and there, we all knew what he meant. Yeah, but there's a line in the um, in the movie Pulp Fiction where he has a Big Kahuna Burger from the Hawaiian Burger place, and so Jordan Big Kahuna Burger Geist. I love that, it. That's got to be. That's, that's got to be it. So in overtime, Missouri outscored UCF seven to five, got the two point win. The whole second half in overtime, they were playing inside out, yeah. going to Tillman, kicking it back out. He was scoring on a seven foot six uh, defender mm-hmm. with some incredible looking post moves. He was about the only person that could score inside the whole game anyway, yeah. too, as well. Yeah. But I think you texted me right around the 
three-point shot that Geist made, and I think you said something like, I wish that we would just would have won the game right there. Oh, like, yes. I, I wish that that would have yes. been the three-pointer to win the game because I still was, like you, not sure that they were going to be able to pull it out in overtime. But they did. They did. I, I loved that they... I don't know. I felt like in this game was maybe the first time all year where Tillman was like the man. He was the go-to guy. The plan was to get the ball to Tillman, and it worked. Yeah. And obviously it didn't in the first half because he was in foul trouble and he wasn't, well, he wasn't on, the on the floor. floor yeah. So, but literally right off the bat in the second half, they just went to him like every possession, and it it really worked out. And so that that was good to see. I feel like that's a little bit of improvement in the development that we want to see in him, where he's like, okay, I'm the guy now, and I'm gonna score and he had every reason to be confident with his matchup because last year he was pulling post moves out run fall and scoring around the basket you know being crafty with the ball yeah obviously fall's got the the height advantage and the the length but tillman knows that he's much much quicker Mm -hmm. so and just more skilled in general right so like i said final score 64 62 missouri moves to four and three on the season and I wanted to um, take a look back at some things I said last week when I was talking about how Missouri could win this game. And I wanted them to take and make threes. I thought if they just keep taking a lot of threes that they've proven so far that they can make them. And uh, they did just that. They shot 41% on 29 three-point attempts, so that was huge. Um, I wanted to them to limit their turnover percentage to 20% or less. They ended up with 16.7%. I wanted them to force a few paint turnovers. Uh, Five of UCF's 15 turnovers were committed by forwards or centers. And the only one they didn't get was I wanted guys to get back to the free throw line. He was not able to do that. He was only one of two from the line. But they, I mean, I think anytime you're going to do three of the four keys to victory, that usually means victory. So Yeah, and I definitely think the the biggest one um, was the turnover thing. And we, we pointed out that UCF doesn't force a lot of turno- turnovers, and that might be the thing that allows Missouri to be successful in this game. And mm-hmm. I don't know how many turnovers they had. Uh, you mentioned that 16% of their possessions. I'm not sure how many they had, but I think they had around the same amount as UCF. So I definitely think that that was a huge reason why they were able to pull it out. UCF had 15, and Missouri had only 10. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so the the turnovers were definitely big. Uh, Jordan Geist was the leader on offense. We've kind of alluded to that. He had 18 points, shot 5 of 8 from 3, and he did all that with zero turnovers. I think if I could talk about Mitchell Smith for a moment, Mm -hmm. I think I would like to... What did you say? Paw. Paw Smith. Mitchell Paw Smith. I would like to revoke one of my predictions that we made after the first game of the year sure that Mitchell Smith would be superior to Reed Nico and I would like to flip-flop that because I think Mitchell Smith has not been amazing and has not been perfect but maybe understands starting to understand his role on this team and maybe has a higher ceiling than I realized and that's probably why Conzo's playing him a lot is because he realizes his potential and I think he adds some some good stuff to this team that, and I'm not sure Reed's adding a whole lot right now. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think what you just said there, what he adds to the team, it's his role is an important one because he's able to. He's starting to show that he can shoot threes. In this game, he had nine points, um, two of two from three, 
and seven rebounds. The fact that we found a guy that can do both, and he is still 6'10", still a presence around the rim, late in games I've seen, looks like Conzo's going to this kind of, I'm using air quotes, too big lineup down the stretch with Mitchell Smith as the second big. Mm-hmm just because he is 6'10 mm-hmm. and can alter shots around the basket. Yeah, he definitely doesn't look like he's playing a stereotypical big man role. Like when you see him on the floor, though, he's, right. he's moving around quite a bit. He's able to drive at times. You know, he's making cuts and he's shooting threes, like you said. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think he brings definitely an element of versatility that we probably wouldn't have otherwise. Since you brought up one of our uh, first game uh, thoughts I can't remember what we called that at the time, but we talked about Javon Pickett versus Torrance Watson as far as scoring throughout their Missouri careers. And on the Twitter poll, I actually voted Pickett partly because I thought that that would be the less um, that that wouldn't Watson get as would many be votes. The overwhelming yes. favorite. And I think I want any Mizzou fans that want to sell their Javon Pickett stock, I would buy it all in a heartbeat mm-hmm. be- even though i feel like it would be kind of buying high at this point i think you should have bought it before the ut arlington game <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but even i mean against ucf 13 points he only made one three but he was still getting he still got four rebounds and um he was had a really tough task on defense guarding a veteran player in dawkins for yeah. ucf and he just was physical with him. Dawkins was the only player that was really scoring for UCF. He took a ton of shots um, mm-hmm. and was draining threes, which right. is not a whole lot you can do when he's the guy's just going to yeah. against pretty much anybody. Right, and he had a height advantage on Pickett. So I just – Conzo has been assigning Pickett to guard the other team's best player. Mm-hmm. I've been seeing that a few times yeah. now. So I truly think Pickett is the, our best defensive player, and we're, what, like seven games into his Missouri career. Yeah, I think Pickett – has the potential to be a really really solid player in his career Mm -hmm. long way to go but obviously he is just Konzo's favorite player ever because he plays defense he's a long-rangey guard that's exactly Konzo's kind of player so and he can shoot the three yeah so there's always going to be a job for you if you can shoot the three and play defense exactly I mean he looks the only times he really looks overwhelmed is sometimes when he has the ball in his hands trying to create and that's Mm -hmm. not really somewhere that he's super comfortable right now Mm -hmm. he does okay driving to the basket Mm -hmm. Uh, we've seen that a few times in these last two games um but with the ball in his hands around the three-point line when he's not just spotting up for a shot it gets a little dicey although not as dicey as Torrance Watson handling the ball around the perimeter because I think every game that he's done that he's had a had a bad pass or gotten ripped for a a layup going the other way so yeah definitely both kind of i'll shoot if i'm open kind of spot up guys right now but certainly that'll be an area of development that we can look for in the future yeah all right um we knew this was going to happen but missouri's two-point percentage was terrible they shot 32 percent from the from two-point range um they've been bad at that all season and ucf is excellent at that so we knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I didn't realize or didn't think was going to happen was the rebounding margin. Um, Missouri out-rebounded out UCF by one, um, which doesn't seem like a whole lot until you look at the fact that Missouri had 17 offensive rebounds. Wow. And that was a lot of that was due to the fact that UCF was playing zone, which opens the team up to, getting, to giving up offensive rebounds. But 
Um, also, Missouri was just getting in really good position following their shots, mm -hmm. um, attacking the boards from the, the weak side and just coming up with a lot of rebounds and second chance opportunities. Yeah. They were able to get a lot more shots off in this game than UCF. I think they were able to get like, I'm gonna do some math here. They shot thir 34 times from two and 29 times from three. UCF shot 20 times from two and 20 times from three. Hmm. And now some of that's turnovers, but a lot of that is offensive rebounds. Right. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorite things about some of these guards is um, well, they're still, you know, working on their ability to to slash and to score at the rim and to shoot and do other things other than just spot up shoot. But I really love their ability to rebound and their willingness to get in there and kind of bang around with the big boys like Mark Smith and Pickett both kind of come to mind as guys that rebound really well for their size. Um, and also, is there just is there anything more demoralizing than giving up an offensive rebound and then them scoring off of that? I mean, whenever <clears throat> whenever I'm watching, you know, my team on defense and we we guard well and and then the team misses a shot and it's like a sigh of relief, like oh yeah, yeah, like and then they get an offensive rebound. It's like no, you just like no, they're gonna score. You know, when you give them more opportunities, right. they're gonna score. Yeah. So it's uh, I think offensive rebounds are. Just huge. Mm -hmm. um, per year with zero points, that was disappointing. Um, but what are you going to do when Tough a team has huge post players and per year is 6-7? Yep. He, I mean, he understands that, I'm sure. Get other guys involved. He took a really big charge at the end of the game. Um, that's one thing. I thought overall the officiating was pretty solid, but the charge block calls were coin flip i agree i mean i i rewatched the game today There's a lot of charges yeah and yeah way too many charges were called on i mean it was even mm -hmm. it was evenly random yeah <laughs> but um i mean penson had a drive to the basket where the guy was sliding in at the last second that got called to charge i feel like per year was inside the circle and moving a little bit that got called a charge. I feel like if sometimes if you just look even slightly out of control, even if the defender is right. not in position, right. they're going to call it a charge like every time. Yeah. Which is um, kind of annoying. Yeah. I think charges should be called less in general. I, I definitely think agree. It should be a block 90% of the time. Um, I listened to Ryan Rosillo rant and rave about charges for so long on ESPN radio that. It kind of uh, brainwashed me into thinking along those lines. Um, we talked about Tillman. He was able to score when he was on the on the court. He only finished with 10 points, but he was very limited with foul trouble in the first half. And I still think he's getting so much better at when the double team comes, which they weren't double teaming him. That was another huge thing. They just let Fall have him, and he Tillman was able to take – uh, take advantage of that for mm -hmm. most of the time that he was on the floor. And that's another byproduct of some of these guards stepping up a little bit. Right. You know, like Geist and Pickett playing better. Yep. Yeah, Geist Geist with the threes, that was that was huge. Five of eight from three is crazy. He had there was one play where I can't remember if it if it was off a steal or a defensive rebound, but Geist just ran down the court, dribbled down the court and just pulled up yep. from three, drained it. That was at a huge moment. It just looked so smooth. Anything else about this UCF game? I was I was really impressed. I think Mizzou fans need to be very happy with this one because yeah. UCF's probably going to win 
25 games this year. Right. I think that this has the potential. We talked about this a little bit. Um, I think this UCF team is going to be really good. They're going to be a top 40 Kimpom team all year probably and have the potential to win a good league. And this could end up being a quadrant one win, even yeah. even at home. Yeah. Um, so it's always fun whenever you get these big you know, close wins to kind of it'll it, you become a fan of these teams for the rest of the year because you exactly. want you want them to make you look better for beating them yeah. when, you, when you beat them the only downside is i look back at that temple game and just wish that had been a win even more <laughs> right absolutely and the second game missouri basketball played this week was against ut arlington and we did not spend much time previewing that one because i said this team is not good and Missouri should dispatch of them easily. And thank goodness that is exactly what happened. That is literally what I was about to bring up was pretty much the only thing I remember from our preview of them last week is that they are bad at everything. They don't <laughs> shoot. They don't play defense. They don't do anything well. And that's pretty much what happened. And they're very small, although they had one post player who... Um, He's thick. Yeah, and he was <laughs> giving people some issues. I mean, yeah. he, was, he was a problem. I have to admit that I... Will, uh, listen to this game on the radio. Uh, that's very unfortunate. This was a fun one to watch. If you just want to, maybe I'll go back and watch it. I watched the highlight, and yeah, I mean the whole thing was highlights. I mean, it. Javon Pickett started out hot. He made two threes. He had eight of Missouri's first eleven points, and then Missouri went on a run, uh, twenty-four to nine run, the last ten minutes of the first half to get a sixteen-point halftime lead. Wow! So everything was just working for him. I mean, they. They still missed plenty of shots. I mean, they weren't exactly on fire from the field, um, 36% from three. But finally, they finished above 50% from two, nice. which if you're not going to do it against UT Arlington, who has one player taller than 6'5", then that's scary. So yes, thank goodness they were able to do that. Good to see uh, Torrance Watson breaking out a little bit. Absolutely. Um, I think he needed this game as a confidence booster. And I know he'll be there eventually, but uh, definitely maybe he started a little bit little bit slower than I was hoping for this season. But uh, And I'm sure that he will probably return to that state to some extent But because not everybody's going to be UT Arlington going forward. But Yeah, the level of competition is definitely – it's obvious that he's having to adjust to it. Yeah, and which is understandable. He's coming from mid-Missouri, Class 3. Right, so when – when you play a team like this, it was obvious that Konzo was trying to get him a bunch of minutes. Um, he ended up playing 29 minutes. He was your Ken Palm MVP of the game. Uh, what did he have here? 12 points, um, three of six from three. I mean, that's that's perfect mm -hmm. from him. That's exactly what you want to see. Yeah. Um, in the second half, Missouri basically coasted. The lead was never less than 15 the entire second half. Mm -hmm. And we had, we had another um, first-half buzzer beater from uh, Mitchell Pawsmith. Uh, this time it was a three-pointer, and that gave, uh, like I said, Missouri the 16-point lead. But when you look at the freshmen, um, Watson and Pickett, they both looked really good. This was actually a game, two games now, that Missouri has won without huge uh, contributions from uh, Mark Smith. So that's, that's always he good. He just sucks now. <laughs> um, I mean, if you... Mark Smith hardly played in this in this UT Arlington game. I mean, compared to the other, compared to the to the freshman guards, he definitely took a back seat because I feel like Conzo knows what he has with with him, and 
is fine with just letting some of these other guys get some play, especially in the second half when the game was out of reach. And I think um, Geist, it was a good time for him to have an off night. One of seven from three. Mm -hmm. Didn't hurt anything. Um, Pinson had seven points. He got a bunch of minutes in the second half. Um, Mitchell Smith, the anti-Mizzou football team of the first half of the season. Yes. <laughs> Finishing Just the first <laughs> half strong. Making sure we always feel good going into halftime. <laughs> um, the defense was terrific. Um, UT Arlington shot 46% on two-pointers, 28% if you round up from three. Um, no UTA players scored in double figures. They turned the ball over 21 times, good for 33% of their possessions. I, mean, I, I know there was nothing competitive about this game, really, from, from the get-go. Uh, but does it still maybe alarm you a little bit that they only scored 65 points? Or do you think that that number is, is meaningless? I don't think Missouri is going to be scoring very much very often this season and with UT Arlington their offense is their big weakness um, they're only 190th on defense which is below average for sure but I mean the fact that their biggest weakness is offense and we held them to 45 points that's more impressive to me now when we get to the Oral Roberts preview a team that, spoiler alert, is 330th in defensive efficiency. Now I look for that to switch. I, I won't. It won't concern me if we give up some points to Oral Roberts, but I could see Missouri easily getting into 80, mm -hmm. getting into the 80s in point total. So mm -hmm. let's just forget about UT Arlington. Let's just skip right ahead to Oral Roberts because <laughs> there's nothing else to talk about. About I mean, you have anything else about UT Arlington? No. Okay. <laughs> There's not going to be much to say about Oral Roberts either, unfortunately. They are 3-8, and eight, ranked 304th in Ken Palm. Like I said, abysmal defense. I and watched Oral Roberts play um, <clears throat> earlier this season against a not very good Missouri State basketball team. Uh, it was like opening night of college basketball, mm -hmm. and Missouri State looked like Duke against Oral Roberts. I think Missouri State won by 30-something. Yeah, 34 points. Yeah, so... Oral Roberts, like you said, is awful defensively. Like, they don't do anything. They just let you score whenever you want. And um, Mizzou really should have absolutely no difficulty whatsoever scoring against them. I was going to ask you, actually, this is one thing I was going to mention a few minutes ago but forgot. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> last time I checked, I think I, realized, I think I noticed that Mizzou's offensive, adjusted offensive efficiency on Kim Palm is like 117. Is that accurate? Or in, that, in that neighborhood because that still seemed favorable to me offense 113 113 okay it's slightly green shaded okay because <laughs> the defense at 75 i mean i mean we've talked about their offense because i guess if you're i don't know exactly how three-point shooting has does the brought that does up. the turnovers factor into that number um because obviously if you're just talking about the ball going in the basket they're not bad, but they turn the ball over so much that... Yeah, the turnover the, percentage definitely factors into that. Okay, so that's that's a little interesting to me. Yeah, like I said, the three-point shooting is keeping them afloat there. Mm -hmm. Their offensive rebounding is helping as well. Okay. That factors into it. Um, 
if the turnover percentage comes down, then they could flirt with a top 100 offense, which would be pretty cool. Um, one thing about Oral Roberts, they are worse on offense than UT Arlington is on defense. So their strength is not a strength. Yeah. Um, so this should be, when you look at the whole season, this should be Missouri's biggest win as far as point spread. Yeah. Now, it, things get interesting when you're scoring a lot of points. Sometimes you forget to defend a little bit. Yeah, or you're <laughs> just playing with weird lineups and yeah. putting people in there that you might not normally play. But, yeah, I Mizzou should just cruise in this game. I think Oral Roberts might be the worst team they play all season. Yeah, I, I would say so. It's I possible. Mean, yeah, I said they're 3-8, they're and eight, which is kind of shocking that they've already played 11 games. But um, two of their three wins came against non-D1 teams, so... How many of them? Two? Two of the three, yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, and here's a treat. They are one of the worst teams in the country when it comes to forcing turnovers. Oh, my goodness. Mizzou's <laughs> going to drop 100 bomb. <laughs> I seriously think I would say if I'm going to predict a score, it's something like 84 to 65. Okay. And they may not score 65. Okay, yeah, that's that seems reasonable. I'll I'll predict eighty to fifty six. Mm-hmm. I gotta write that down. I, 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 I feel like I just nailed that. I gotta <laughs> write it down. <laughs> I really want to see Missouri score in the eighties, though. This I think this is probably their only chance the rest of the season to do so. Um, they should really just take advantage. I mean, Oral Roberts. The fact that they lost by 34 to Missouri State is kind of mind-blowing. Maybe Missouri State just played out of their minds, but... Missouri State plays pretty well at home. They play very up-tempo as well. So that's a, a pretty big difference between them and Mizzou, is Mizzou plays extremely the opposite in right. tempo. They play very slow. That may be the only thing that keeps them from scoring 80. Right. Um, Oral Roberts is terrible uh, defending a three, so as well as the two, but a little bit worse from three. So I just don't see any way that Missouri is slowed even slightly by this defense. So Missouri's going to win that game. That is the only game they play this week or this coming week. So we don't have another game to preview, unfortunately. Um, I'm looking forward to Missouri's slate of games going forward. Um, Oral Roberts an easy victory and then Xavier and Illinois and then another should be easy one against Moorhead State to close out uh, non-conference season one more question about Oral Roberts sure go ahead how do you think they came to the conclusion that they would name their college Oral Roberts Oral Roberts was obviously a person I'm guessing they have an a religious affiliation to some sort of Catholic entity because this Granville is an insane Oral, guess while you're reading Granville up the Oral Roberts was an American charismatic Christian televangelist. Oh my. Ordained to both Pentecostal holiness and United Methodist churches. So Oral was not his first name? No. Wow. So they are a Methodist university. So I was close. I said Catholic. And we know Methodists are terrible at basketball, especially defense. All right, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> uh, 
Um, last thing I have for us is the final recap of SEC Pick'em plus Nebraska. Wow. Um, this was SEC Championship Game Edition. There was only one game. I picked Alabama. Kyle picked Georgia. I was rooting for Georgia, if that makes you feel any better. I, it makes me feel a lot better. But Alabama won. I got the point, which makes the final total 55 to 39. Unless, uh, Producer Cameron, was there something about bonus? Oh, certainly. I can't remember what what that was exactly. You gave me a bonus opportunity last week, and I threw it all away. Unfortunately, Kyle choked away his opportunity. <laughs> if it went perfect, Kyle would have won by one point. <laughs> I set it up so that Kyle so could dumb. potentially win. Why is that perfect? Why is Kyle winning yeah. perfect in your mind? No, I am set it up perfectly so Kyle had a chance. Rain oh. slip. Yeah, exactly. I see. I know you like me. <laughs> I can edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what did I get? I don't even remember. You have five points for guessing the bowl, right? Oh, nice, because I said Liberty Bowl. And you picked Bailey or I picked Baylor. That didn't happen. But So if I did get that right, that was another 10 points for the team? Yeah. Yeah. Oof. I'm an idiot. I picked Music City Bowl, Wisconsin, which was pretty much, in my mind, best-case scenario. So I should have obviously known that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so... In the style of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, we have last-minute points to award, giving the final total Cameron 60. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Kyle, 39. Wow. Got to double me up. Better <clears throat> luck next something. I'm going to be training all off-season <laughs> <laughs> for next year. Get better. All right. Um... No, no last bonus points for anything. Um, no, you, you don't want to thinking... give Kyle an extra thirty points for wearing a blue shirt. <laughs> you want to give me a shot at a last second, literally almost doubling my points that I have for the whole season. We could pick the uh, college football playoff. I was gonna say that, but Kyle's so far behind that it seems unfair <laughs> to you. Well, thank you. <laughs> Which it was last time too. Who, who's but... in the? Who's playing in the college football playoff? Alabama. I don't remember. Well, yeah, Clemson. Yeah. Notre Dame, Oklahoma. Who, who plays who? Alabama plays Oklahoma. Oklahoma. And Notre Dame plays Clemson. Oklahoma has one of the worst defenses in all of college football. So Alabama's going to win that, unless I you want to pick Oklahoma. Certainly assume. Well, let's see. It is pretty on brand for you to miss every game possible. <laughs> so I'll <laughs> I'll try to break the trend and pick Alabama. Yeah, I think Alabama's going to win that. I don't want Notre Dame to win. I don't either. It's dumb. As much as I have a lot of Alabama Clemson round eighty sounds boring. Yes. I want. I guess that's what I'm rooting for. I have a lot of thoughts in the college football playoff, but I think we're going to save those for another episode. Okay. Yeah. All right. Who did you pick, Clemson? Clemson. I don't know. Who do you pick in the championship game? I don't know. Probably Alabama. SEC Homer all the way. Alabama's going to win because they don't have Kelly Bryant anymore. Yeah. I'm, I am actually rooting for Clemson because wow. I'm so happy that they gave us Kelly Ryan. I'm rooting for Alabama because I'm an SEC homer. Yeah, SEC. Holy crap. We're a fan of the conference. <laughs> because but. if Alabama's good, that automatically makes everybody better, right? True. Yeah. Yes. That's how that works. I'd love to play them every year, too. Who would? Nebraska? I would not love it. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry. Whoosh. Um <laughs> We'll, we'll, uh, we might look into that in more depth later. I don't know if I'll actually pick those. I haven't looked into 
I don't know anything about Notre Dame. Well, I don't either. And they almost lost to Vanderbilt. They won like one big game at the beginning of the year. They played Michigan, and Michigan was not that great yet. Michigan ended up having a good year, uh, but that was the gift they kept on giving for Notre Dame all year yeah. long. They are not in a conference. They didn't have to win a conference championship game. Okay, save it for later. I'm getting so for heated over here. Holy cow. <laughs> to pull this guy out. Anyways. Right. Besides college football playoff. Sorry, I got to start it on that. Anything mm-hmm. else for this week? Anything Anything else? Who's Nebraska playing in their bowl? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Arkansas Pine Bluff. <laughs> That's all for this week. We'll be right back next week. Um, we'll uh, recap a blowout against Oral Roberts. Maybe then we'll preview the uh, college football playoff. Kyle, will you tell them where they can find us? Yes, and at, at some point we will put a uh, nice fancy bow on the a regular Christmas bow. A you nice could say. Christmas bow on the Mizzou football regular season. We've got lots of thoughts about that. We have we have a few thoughts on that. And oh, by the way, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Spotify. You can tweet us at Mizzou Sports One. Give us all your hot takes. And you can, that is not what our Twitter is. Cameron needs to change that. God, I feel like he leaves it on the show notes just so he hopes you screw you, up. You've done such a you good job. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, please send all of your hot takes to Mizzou Sports Pod on Twitter. And you can email us. Have we ever gotten an email before? Yes. Okay. From from Podbean. Okay. <laughs> hey, send us a, an email at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week.